1: Briefs edition. I am your host, Erica Lance. My co-host today, who totally messed it up at the end of the last one, is Valerie Willis. Do not even start. You're about to do it again. Um, and our guest today is Greg Chiegel. Woo! This is exciting. Let's talk about what we're drinking. I'm drinking out of my drinking with author swag. Greg, you're going to get some of this from being on the podcast. The swag, not the wine. So I'm finishing up the last of <laughs> my... <share> liquor. <laughs> that is not accurate i get you drunk every time i see you
0: (laughs) it doesn't it only takes a cup (laughs)
1: it's it's not much i know it's the best kind of friends to share your liquor with the ones that get drunkies (laughs) okay so i am drinking today um, you know what I actually totally forgot this is what happens when you drink in the previous you episode like
0: and comment please and share and tell the world about us at Drinking With Authors. We're on Spotify, Apple. I don't know what you're listening to this chaos from but please make sure people know that we are there and that you like us. Like or do?
1: subscribe thank you for that entire i don't even know what the fuck that just was but i'm letting it go just for the I'm record trying,
0: i'm trying man yeah
1: you are it's painful oh, leave us a review we would love that um our sponsors today are skunk Brothers spirits coupon code dwa10 and you can get their amazingness so what i'm drinking is my favorite uh riesling as you can see now i'm out because i've poured it all over. <laughs> um it's 70 percent organic they say this when I purchase this. It's on the pricing tag. I don't understand it, but it's funny. It's called Pacific Rim and it's got a dragon on it. So it's pretty awesome and makes nerd references. Val, what are you drinking? I'm
0: drinking. I'm drinking. Rancho drinking. <laughs> La Gloria, handcrafted, ready to drink. Margarita wine, cocktail, strawberry, 100% de aguava wine real lime juice and natural flavors at 13.9% alcohol volume. And I'm almost to the bottom of my mug that says, uh, why am I not in bed?
1: <laughs> we, we understand Greg, describe what you're drinking because it's ridiculous.
0: Yeah. So, you're
1: ridiculous. That is ridiculous.
2: So I am I am uh, not a, a, a booze drinker, but in honor of of the spirit of the show, I'm drinking a Cuban soda called Iron Beer which uh, in Cuba would be pronounced Iromber. And it's a a very fruity, nothing organic or natural about it. Um, It's like a fruity cream soda kind of a thing. And uh, I enjoy it. I enjoyed it as a kid and I enjoy it now.
1: That is awesome. I don't drink this because it's 70% organic. I am actually a red wine drinker generally. It's very weird but i like my white wine to have a little bit of sweetness to it but not too much and i managed to find this i just thought it was funny when i saw it cuz normally it's labeled organic it's yeah. not like a percentage of organic it's just organic and this literally on the label says 70% organic so i'm like is the rest of it like plastic chips or something yeah like
2: what is what the other what look? is the other 30%, 30% yeah like 30%. is it
1: what part of this is not <laughs> organic um okay so Greg, this is rapid fire. Which, let's see how well
0: we do with that. With the because we're sober and we are not. <laughs> well, for what it's worth,
2: I've listened to several episodes of of the literary briefs, and and uh, I, I can tell you right now, I'm going to have trouble narrowing down to one for a lot of these. If it's the okay. same questions, we'll find out.
1: Okay, it doesn't. It's your podcast. It doesn't matter what you answer. We can stick with one question and just go the whole entire time. It's fine. No, we we'll uh, go rapid fire. Yeah. My I'd say rapid fire, like I made that up a long time ago, and it's never except for when there's a guy named Bill Fawcett who was like, what's the next one? And I was
0: like, oh dear God, what is that? He was rapid firing questioning then. Yeah, it was bad. It was, it was very great. bad. Okay. It was wonderful.
1: So was what is your it, so I definitely <laughs> just enjoy that? <laughs> very true. What is your favorite um book of all time? And then I have a follow-up of what is your favorite comic book of all
0: time?
2: Uh, my go favorite, go. my favorite book of all time uh, for is my standard answer is Alice in Wonderland. Um, I
0: love also, Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, you know, a poster in the background. Yeah, you can't yeah. see
1: it, but there's an entire wall of Alice in Wonderland stuff here. on this oh, side. Is it? Yeah, uh, my boyfriend says it cannot climb out of your office. That's how much of it it is. He's like, it's not allowed to leave your office.
2: Uh, but my other, my other favorite book that is maybe going to overtake Alice is The Monster at the End of This Book, uh, which is a golden book starring Grover.
0: Yes. Oh, wow. Um, yes. It's,
2: it's really one of the great books of all time. And it kind of bridges the gap because it's also, in a lot of ways, a comic. It's sequential. There's word balloons. There's sound effects. Um,
0: so that's that's going to yeah.
2: be my bridge book. The Monster at the End of This Book is is almost perfect. Uh, it's a great read aloud as well. Um, and then been
0: voice. it's great
2: <laughs> favorite comic book. That's tough because there's so many, um, as a kid, I loved power pack, which was a, a superhero team of four siblings.
1: Okay.
2: Um, and then there was a run on detective comics written by Mike Barr and drawn by Alan Davis that really stuck with me as a kid. Um, As an adult, there's a comic, there's a graphic novel called Why I Hate Saturn. By Kyle Baker, that's incredible. Um, So I'm gonna go with those three, and I'm sure there's so much stuff I'm neglecting. But
1: okay, as a ridiculous Alice in Wonderland fan of the original book, um, Disney, fine, you did movies, but they do not really kind of encapsulate the book, because Wonderland is a fucking insane place. So what, why do you like Alice in Wonderland?
2: So I read Alice in Wonderland for the first time. It was assigned in school in 10th grade. Um, and I, I'm sure I'd seen the Disney cartoon prior to that. And, I, and but reading the book, I read it in one night. I'd never read a book that quickly. Um, and what struck me about it was, A, the complete insanity of it. Uh, and, and the reaction so many people have is like, that book is, that guy was on drugs. That guy was on drugs. But there is also, it reads like a dream. Mm-hmm. It's one of the few things that it was all a dream and it works. Because usually it was all a dream for me ruined something. But with Alice Wanda and The Wizard of Oz to a certain degree, but Alice Wanda especially, the way it's written, the scene transitions make no sense. It is so rationally dreamlike that it's it's incredible. The ideas are totally off the wall. The nonsense is lovely like the 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 way it is written the words are lovely to read there's there's a sing songiness to it and then yeah it just it's it's so out there but it's still kind of grounded like her experiences are real like there's something to hold on to as you're reading it despite everything around it being completely Damn. insane um so yeah it just it struck me in a way that i didn't expect like i remember going to the teacher the next day i'm like i read the whole book last night this was great and I think for the next five years, I read it once a year um, just to sort of re-engage that thing. Uh, so, yeah, I, I I think it's all those things.
1: Very cool. What about um, your least favorite book? Yeah. Uh,
2: the one that I think of is a book I tried to read and I, I couldn't, I don't think I got 10 pages where I was just like, this is ill, I, I can't read this. Um, it's The Naked Lunch.
0: Oh yes, like, no.
2: I, I tried I, reading I, it, and I was just like, I feel like somebody wrote a book and then cut up all the pages in thirds and then re-stapled them, like taped them together, and uh, none of it made. Speaking of being able to like be grounded in something, I was lost from the first sentence, and I just couldn't. It might be great, I don't know. It's not for me. Yeah, I'll say not for you.
1: what about a comic book that you're like, nah?
2: That one's harder. Um, I know there are some, and I, and those are all blanking out of my brain. Um, I mean, there are some comics that my friends and I used to call them sad diner comics, where it's, it's just like, uh, with all due respect to the people that were making them, but they're usually independently published in the nineties. And it was just like a guy complaining about his life and like drawing comics about how sad his life was and pining after somebody. Those got boring fast um i don't know if they're the worst but they got boring very fast uh and then and then there's certain comics that people really like that i just can't i just they don't do anything for me they, they, they make see this is going to get me in trouble because i'm going to name <laughs> writers that people love so much
1: trust me i i am if anybody has named writers that people quote unquote love so much And been like, they're fucking let me start with my hatred of Jane Austen and I can just go from there. Okay. All right.
2: With apologies to everybody to with apologies to everybody who is a fan. Um I there are very few Grant Morrison comics that don't baffle me after the first half of reading them. And there are some that, that I can't I can't get from from jump, like three pages in, I don't know what's happening. Um, and then I see people talk about them and how brilliant they are. And it just makes me feel very stupid. And I know I'm not stupid. Yeah. Um,
0: so not your cup of tea.
2: It's just not for me. That's what I, yeah, I've, I've, yeah. I've taken in the past five or so years to saying something is not for me, as opposed to saying it's bad.
1: No. Right. And that's what I'm saying. It's what you don't like. Yeah. Like, here's the thing. There are a billion Jane Austen fans out there. I'm going to say a billion. It's probably upwards of the millions really legitimately. Right. Yeah. but I I do not like him. I do not like Regency romance fucking stories. Like that's <laughs> my thing. But I'm not saying it's bad. There are Jane Austen. You whoever is listening, love what you love. Read what you want to read. There's a fan for everything out there. I say that all the time. Yes. I'm asking Greg what he doesn't like.
2: Yeah, I I find I find metaphysical very difficult to reckon with in comics. Like, yeah, I, I okay. just, yeah, that, that, yeah, from whether it was the Invisibles back in the 90s to more recent stuff, though, the, the, although, yeah, Invisibles was grand. Yeah, it just, it's not, it's not, it's a different wavelength. And some of the stuff I've read starts out really good. And then by like Flex Mentallo and Sea Guy, they start out great. There's so many cool ideas. And then I get lost. I forget what, ha- like, I can't follow issue to issue what's going on.
0: Well, that, okay. that brings me to, to my next question is as a reader, what is your pet peeve? What will turn you off on a book immediately when you see it um, okay. and, and stuff like that? Like for me, I like purple prose and just going on and on about describing the background for too long. I can't. I, I'm more character driven.
2: Yeah. I, I OK, so this is this has become one of my my jokes, but it it there's something to it. If a book has a map like if you open it and there's a map it's already putting me off a little bit because it's telling me like do your homework before you start reading and and i just want to read that's so
1: funny because most fantasy books for the record including val's fantasy series have maps mainly because when you're describing the world it's a world you've created and people go
0: wait where are we you know what i mean like we're talking is- about them going south or east and going Absolutely. to the Absolutely. I understand. I,
2: I, I, I mean look, Winnie the Pooh has a map and I like Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> but there's something about there's something about the map out of the gate that at least it puts me in a state of am I do I have to like am I gonna have to refer to this? Like it creates a state in my mind of this isn't gonna be easy. Like th- there's there's so much world building already before we've even started I don't even know what this book is about I just know that there are a lot of different places and I feel like I'm gonna have to keep going back and forth to to keep up with with uh
0: we'll have Gandalf to lead you (laughs) yeah like I read
2: um I guess it was two years ago I read Tristan Strong punches a hole in the sky I think is the title of it um and that had a map and I I think I was reading it as an ebook so I couldn't you couldn't get to the map fast enough Mm -hmm. and I was like I'm just going to, wherever they say I am, that's where I am, and so be it.
0: (laughs) So be
1: it. I like it. I like it. Okay, what do you think they did? A book, uh, oh my gosh, words. A good, um, they took a book and they did a great TV or miniseries, like a movie or miniseries?
2: Um, My go-to answer is The Wizard of Oz because I find the book, The Wizard of Oz, to be pretty dull and unfun, and I think the movie is great. Uh, And then... uh, election was a great movie based on a great book okay uh and all the roll of doll stuff seems to translate really well except for tim burton's wonka don't like that really yeah and i like the and i liked invincible the the amazon series based on the comic series invincible is great
1: very cool very cool um where where do you think they did a just a terrible job it's something that you love and you go oh my god they really should never have done that
2: that tim burton wonka is not (laughs) i I do not like that movie and i've never seen the tim burton alice because i just don't you want to go there like i just i'm put off
1: i absolutely love the tim burton versions of alice as an alice fan i did because and it's true with the wonka too like i love the original you can't it's gene wilder like you can't you know it's gene wilder The thing I liked about um, the other version is I felt like it made it a little more around Wonka being a little crazy. He's very crazy, like that character and not in a cute, cozy kind of like he is scary nuts. And I felt like Tim Burton encompasses nuts a little bit better than the Gene Wilder version of it with the Alice in Wonderland as one of those people that <clears throat> can look at the Disney thing and go well that's cute he did the crazy part like where it's a little more nuts and it's a little less pleasant and the like off with your head is not like this cute little thing like the queen of hearts is an unpleasant person to be around
2: i mean i do i do love the disney alice i will say i'm on the i'm on the side of loving that that version um i think my the, I hear what you're saying about Tim Burton's Wonka versus the 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 Gene Wilder one. I think Wilder's Wonka has a manicness to him. It's a calm manic. There's there's menace to him, whereas I felt like Johnny Depp's Wonka was just just on the, just like creepy, uncomfortable, like not manic, weird, crazy, but just creepy. Canon. Like, this guy's fucked up. You know what I mean, like, don't you don't want your kids anywhere near this guy. True. Whereas Gene Wilder, there's this illusion of like, oh, this guy's playful and fun. And one by one, these kids are dropping out. And he does not care. <laughs> no, like, Gene Wilder's Wonka does not he is so flippant about these kids just dropping out. <laughs> and it's there's something delightful about that. And I think the, the Oompa Loompas are more fun in the first movie. Uh, I I, yeah. I I didn't I didn't appreciate the like the Deep Roy, replicant, oompa loompa thing.
1: That I can understand. I just I don't know. I I I. It's not like I have a a favor between the two, but I could appreciate the Johnny Depp version. I will say his Mad Hatter, was much more to me on point than the other Mad Hatters. Okay. Because. His Manhattan, the thing that they brought up was the why they're stuck at the tea party, which I don't think a lot of people understood the vicious like loop that they're in and why they're in, because he he brings that up in the looking glass one, right? And it explains why these guys are all completely, literally crazy at this point in time, you know? Because right. they're reliving think, the I, same day over and over again.
2: I think that might be that might be an inherent difference is, I've never questioned why they were. at. It was just, I accept the reality of the world as it's presented to me. And I never wondered, why are they at this tea party? It's like, they're at a tea party. In the same way that like, if you tell me Superman's weakness is kryptonite, I'm going to say, okay, thank you. You know, it's just whatever the, as you present the world to me, especially if it's a fictional fantasy world, those are the rules. And I'm not going, I'm going to try not to apply earthbound logic and rules to it. I'm going to say, you tell me what the rules are. They do tea and they're nuts. You got it. The mouse is in the sure. teapot. Sir, sure you're thing. our
0: favorite kind of reader. <laughs> so I, I've yeah. seen science fiction writers. I feel for because I don't know how they do it because everyone wants to talk qu- quantum physics. And, and it's like, why can't you just accept that this is an alien nation where things are going crazy? And none of it makes any science, uh, human science sense because it doesn't have to.
2: I think that's why I don't particularly love deep fantasy or hard fantasy or hard science fiction because it gets so explainy. And I I like fairy tales and mythology and sort of simple. And then you can graft your own stuff onto it, right? Like you could take away from it. You could you could find your own way in it as opposed to just the the, yeah, I think world building I appreciate it but sometimes it can get very heavy and leaden and I like the the Lord of the Rings stuff I it ain't for me.
1: Oh wow. Well, <laughs> now now yeah. you're going to oh. piss off everybody. Else. I know.
2: I know. It's it's I I can't believe I said that out loud.
1: <laughs> I can't believe you did either. Like
2: I we're
0: going to have to just disown you
2: now. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry listeners.
0: You you mentioned fairy tales and mythology. So what's your favorite fairy tale and what's your favorite mythology?
2: Um I as a kid I when I found Norse mythology, I was all about it. There's, um, there's a book, Dahlia's book of Norse myths. I used to get that from the library many times, multiple times, and was kind of obsessed with it. Um, favorite fairy tale. That one's tougher. I do like red riding hood though. Like that's the one that popped into my head. What's that? Which one? Little red riding hood with the wolf. Okay. Yeah. No, I know
1: that, but I mean, which version of the
2: story? Oh, just like the, just the story, just the, the story in general, like the, the you know, Girl Through the Woods, Shortcut, Wolf, whether it's, whether it's in, um, you know, a cartoon rendition or the actual original writing one or how it was done in Into the Woods, like there's something, the beats of it, I like. Uh, yeah, I, I'm going to go with that one. I'm sure I'll okay. think of another one as soon as we stop recording and go, oh, but everybody
1: but- always does. I had I had a couple authors who email me and go, but I thought of this thing and I'm like, thank you. What the hell am I gonna do with that? It's not like I'm gonna record a blurb that said, hey, Greg sent me an email and said <laughs> this. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. That's not happening. What okay, that. what um fantastical or mythical creature would you be? Would I be? Like, if you could be anyone, what would you be? I had somebody on the last podcast say a centaur, and I was like, So you can't get any indoors? Like, that is a very impractical creature. But anyway,
0: leave like, him alone. Is... He could be a centaur if he wants. People go oh, right. Shut up, Val. Nobody's it, interested in your opinion. Would,
2: would a Jedi count?
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I like that.
2: Yeah, I would do that.
1: Okay. I'm, right. I'm on board with Jedis. Why? Well, I'm on board with the other side, not really the Jedis, but yeah. Uh, uh, more just a,
2: a, Somebody who, who could use the force. I basically.
1: would use force choke and force push so much. I would have dark side points out the fucking ass. Like that would just happen. There are so many people <laughs> in this world that need to be force choked that my dark side points would accumulate through the fucking roof. That's what would happen.
0: Have it, I think I would have been a victim
1: of this abuse. She would have been a victim of force choke and force push at many occasions.
2: I just like, as I remember as a kid, just like recreating the, the scene on Hoth where he's reaching for the lightsaber and it flies to his hand. I think the telekinesis is the thing that is most appealing to me. I think the mind reading would be tricky. I think the suggestive stuff would be problematic. Um, but just being able to move stuff with your mind and and wield a lightsaber and think it fly Don't around. You, and stuff. You're
1: going to end up on the dark side with this force choke thing if that's a possibility, and somebody teaches you how to do it, you'll be around humans and you'll be like force choke. That'll be it, and then if all of a sudden eyes turn red and you're in the dark side. That's it, how it,
2: that, goes. <laughs> that. Those are the risks we take.
1: Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, I love it. Okay, what about um your favorite weird food combination?
2: All right, so. I've heard this question before, and I've given this quite a bit of thought.
1: Oh, I love that we are setting you up for one you've given quite a bit of thought to. Go for it. So,
2: a little bit of backstory: for many years, yeah. I had a I invented a holiday called All Hallows' Giving, and it it is the Saturday between Halloween and Thanksgiving, and I call it a feast of frightening food.
1: Oh, I love this idea. This is a great concept.
2: Thank you. So for this holiday, for many years, I would create a menu that was oftentimes mashups of different types of cuisines, or I would reinterpret a Thanksgiving dinner through Mexican food or Jewish food or Chinese food or what have you. So I'd season the turkey a certain way or prepare. Uh, instead of mashed potatoes, I did mashed matzo balls, that sort of thing. Um, so over the course of the years of doing these, I've, I've done some combinations. I'm going to run some of those by you. I don't know which of these is my favorite, but I'm going to throw them all at the
1: Oh, I can't. This is riveting. We haven't had this before. Go for okay. it. Somebody did homework. I like so, it.
2: So I once took uh, I once took a recipe for cornbread. And instead of sugar, I melted down candy corn. I made candy cornbread.
1: This sounds brilliant. I'm a huge fan of candy corn. I shouldn't be, but I'm a ridiculous, especially candy pumpkins. Those the are candy pumpkins I love those. Anyway, yeah. continue on. I'm um, loving this so far. It
2: ended up tasting quite a bit like cornbread. Because candy okay. corn is just sugar. Yeah. Um, I I made a mac and cheese once that I called Popeye Mac and Cheese because it had macaroni and cheese with spinach, olive oil, sweet peas, and a little bit of kelp.
1: Wow. <laughs> And that one was I don't know how I feel it's about like that but Continue I on. That. I enjoy the name and what you did. I don't know that I'd put it in my face, but continue <laughs> on.
0: Um,
2: during the pandemic, I couldn't have people over, so I did a virtual one where everybody. The plan was go to two different restaurants and mash foods together. So for that one, I did a a Chinese scallion pancake with cream cheese and locks on it. And I also took a Taco Bell taco, hard shell taco, and I put uh, Thai papaya salad in it.
1: I like both of these. Both of these I'm on board with. I'm uh, a huge fan of sour cream, so anything that involves sour cream, I'll at least try it. Okay. I like this. Okay, continue.
2: Um, I invented a cookie called the fish and chips cookie, which is a chocolate chip cookie with chopped up Swedish fish in it.
0: Oh, I got scared for a hot minute there. <laughs> She
1: thought you were going to put fish and french fries in the cookie and then that she was going to lose it. I was going to lose it. And I
2: like this. And then the last one I have for you is um, despite being a grown man in his 40s, I often add Nesquik powder to cereal um, and chocolate milk powder in Raisin Bran is better than you think it is.
1: Interesting.
2: It's good in Cheerios because the milk becomes chocolate and it's chocolate Cheerios, but Raisin Bran is the closest I've gotten to this idea, I think somebody should be producing, which is Raisinette brand.
0: Yeah. Ooh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Because that's what—that's exactly, because that <clears throat> brand soaks up the liquid so much better than any other cereal does. Yeah. And I was just thinking, I'm like, oh, man, that probably tastes like Raisinette. It's good. <laughs> exactly it's what good. That's
1: okay. Valerie's going to try this. I can already tell she's going to try that I'm one. I yeah. love all of these. Be a these are good weird food combinations.
2: Thank you. I, I When I heard the question in past episodes, I go, well, I definitely have answers to this one.
1: <laughs> he's, he's like, I've got them. T- yeah. I got it. This is my <laughs> you know, this, wheelhouse. Okay, so here's a weird food thing. I didn't bring it up, but I, I when I got back, so I went to Iceland and I'm actually sending this to my son-in-law. So I don't know if you guys know this, but in Iceland they don't eat chips or like popcorn when they're watching movies. Their, their, their thing of choice is dried fish.
2: Is that lutefisk? Yeah. I've heard about lutefisk.
1: It's dried fish. This is what they eat. Different flavors of dried fish is there like, snack. We eat. And so this isn't like you have to go find it. It's everywhere. Like, you go into a convenience store, you have all the chips and stuff, <laughs> many weird flavors of chips, by the way. But then you have an entire rack of these in different sizes and different flavors.
2: And do you have a favorite so far?
1: No, I'm not trying it. I'm not a fan of dried fish. <laughs> like, nope, nope. No, I bought this specifically and I put a little note on it for my son in law. I'm sending it to him. Like, um, this is what it her. is because he likes that sort of thing. But no, I do. Ew ew, 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 no, ew. But I did have the best fish and chips I've ever had in my life from a little stand there that literally said fish and chips and that is all they served. Just fish and chips. You can get different sauces on the side, but that's it. You can't change anything. It's one size. It comes in a box of fish and chips. Done and done. Done and done. Val, what's your next question, Drunky McDrunkerson? I can tell with your face all being red. I
0: know my face is all red. I'm like, I, I put the cup way far away. I'm like, no more of you. Because I'm going to need to go to bed after this. <laughs> um, you have to ask a question, weirdo. Uh, ask a question. What is Who is your favorite comic book artist?
2: Um, There's a few. So early on, the first comic book artist whose work I recognized across different titles was a guy named Alan Davis, and for a long time I wanted to draw like him, um, John Buscema, is probably at the top of the list. He's he's basically the person who wrote "How to Draw Comics to Marvel Way." It says by Stan Lee, but Stan Lee never drew a comic ever.
0: No, it, um, it, yes, and there's plenty of documentaries where he makes this very clear. I yeah. even saw like a behind the scenes with him and Jim Lee. He goes, "I don't draw this. I just sign it." And he he pats Jim Lee on the shoulder. He goes, "Thank you for drawing."
2: This. Yeah. So John Buscema used to do these workshops of how to draw comics to Marvel way, and they turned it into this book. Um, so that stuff for sure is is a My how I construct figures sort of started there. Um, and then there was a guy named Mike Warringo who drew Flash and Robin. Um, he's up there, and then more recently, an artist named Carlos Pacheco and uh, the guy who drew Invincible for most of its run, Ryan Otley like his stuff, just watching him become better and better. And he, he, I know him and he's my age, and seeing how he draws makes me go my God, what did, what did I do wrong? Like we're (laughs) the same age. I don't understand. I I've been drawing all the time too. Like it's really, I guess, humbling might be the word.
1: Yeah. Wow. Uh, What about, um, is there anybody that people ask you to draw? (laughs) You're like, no,
2: (laughs) I don't like drawing transformers. Oh, I don't love drawing mechanical stuff, buildings, cars, those, and like a transformer is a car building. Like it's a, it's a, or a gun
1: or stupid stuff like that yeah and yeah, no mechanical
2: record. stuff is less fun i'd rather draw animals and trees and people um and like made up worlds where i don't have to i mean perspective is perspective it it exists but you know the the yeah simplified shapes are are more they're just more fun to they're draw too
0: they're funner they're more free flowy. they're funner Runner, uh, I knew a, um, <laughs> that's not a word. No, um, I, I know this right, Kyle animator.
2: Baker is another great cartoonist. I got to mention him. He's oh. Kyle Baker's amazing.
0: Uh, so I knew, I knew a Disney animator and he said his favorite like when it came to realistic figure drawing, his favorite were fat people. He says, man, you just <laughs> it's just something about just being able to make a bunch of circles and layer them. And have fun with them.
2: <laughs> like there's, I'll tell you, there's something to drawing heavy people that I don't think a lot of people get. Is that like there is a skeleton underneath that, like there's yeah. a way that weight lives on a body that I think people just draw round bodies, and that's not that's not how it works. Um, but again, that's me getting into the weeds of figure construction and yeah.
1: Yes, this podcast will now turn into figure constructed by comic book artists. So I. Ha- I have a question. What is the weirdest animal you've put in the animal, the zoo books? Like what is, because, you know, you ask people, and I don't know if you've done this, like if you could be any animal, what would you be? And I have friends that have said some of the weirdest shit. And I'm like, no, why would anyone want, they're not like, I'd be a tiger, a fox. They're like, I'd be a pufferfish. Like what, you know. Val um, picked a ridiculous one. I forget what the hell she picked, but it was some sort of reptile and it was dumb as crap. Like, <laughs> do we remember?
2: The, the weirdest animal I've turned into a superhero is a platypus. Oh. Um, and and my platypus is my, is my magical, my magic character. So, you know, my, my Doctor Strange, Doctor Fate, Zatanna character. Um, and it was, it was between that, a giraffe and a flamingo. Because I was like, "All right, what's a what's a funky looking animal? Like, what's an animal that just has a physicality that's odd?" Okay. Um, the flamingo ended up becoming a different character called the flaming ghost, which is sort of a a ghost ridery kind of a. <laughs> so, and I just the second <laughs> I realized flamingo and flaming there, ghost,
0: how many bike weeks we have in Florida? That it was the perfect choice. <laughs>
2: yeah, but what, once I I realized like flamingo and flaming ghost sort of. We're like laid on top of each other pretty good. It's like, all right, that that's a go. Um, so yeah, platypus is the is like the weirdest animal, and it, it really is the weirdest animal.
1: I think uh, yeah, that's why I asked if it was poisonous. A lot of people don't know how poisonous a platypus bite is. Is it? It is literally yeah. the most painful bite from any animal you can get. Like, I apparently, if you get bit in the toxin, it's very much like a, a, a what's it called? A Komodo dragon, where it's okay. a toxin that they have in their saliva. Huh. But apparently, you can't, by you have to just let it go. You can't give a person enough morphine without killing them to get rid of the pain. Now, keep in mind, these cute little creatures do not go around biting a huge amount of people. They have this little like hook thing, right? But if you do get bitten by one, they are one of the most painful bites in the entire animal kingdom. You have that for future episodes of your I, comics. That if it ever news. comes yeah. up, uh, you yeah. Could, you,
2: you could have a spell that's like the bite and it's just a, a very dangerous. Hey. Well, it's like people don't realize how vicious and dangerous a hippopotamus can be.
0: Oh, Oh (laughs) Oh. so my my kid came upstairs last night and he goes who would win in a fight, a polar bear or a hippo? And we're like hippo. And then and then my mother-in-law is like, no, 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 wait. Is it in the water or out of the water? I'm like, I don't care. It's gonna be the hippo. I'm like, I don't think you guys realize how much bigger a hippo is compared to a polar bear, or the fact that the hippo has already has a Reputation of being one of the most dangerous animals in Egypt and other areas in Africa, as well as snapping 15-foot crocodiles in half just because they were angry that day. There,
2: there was a show in the early 2000s, either on Animal Planet or the Learning Channel. I can't remember, but the whole show was animals in battle, and they do like- <sighs> Yeah. Do you remember this show?
0: Yes, and they enge- like would engineer. They do like in- a
2: CG, a CG version of these animals in battle. But like the first half of the show would be like comparing their bite strength and their jaw construction and their their habitat. I remember one was polar bear versus walrus. And I, if I remember correctly, walrus won.
0: Yeah,
2: because walrus pulls the polar bear down, and then it's just like has has the upper hand. Even though a polar bear can be underwater, like walrus is much stronger. Those tusks are out of control. That was a great show.
1: Yeah, no, for anybody listening right now, YouTube, there is a YouTube video that sums it all up, which is a little baby hippopotamus walking around a bunch of Nile crocodiles. The mom is not like right next to it. It's just close enough. And the crocodiles are all like, don't move. Don't move! <laughs> Don't let them see us move. Like you would think the croc—I mean, they could grab this baby and go in the water, and that would be it. It's a yeah. tiny little hippo, but these crocodiles are like, nope, and, not going to touch. Crocodiles
2: it. are badass. Like crocodiles yeah. and alligators are no joke.
0: Yeah, no. I, I think one of my other favorite videos is not realizing how the giant river otters in the Amazon are so aggressive, because there's a there's footage that they got National Geographic of two leopards uh seeing them coming down the river and hauling ass they were like nope not fucking with the otters and It's like holy crap
2: yeah dolphins oh, also like a, a yeah. standard porpoise those are those are no joke
1: yeah no i think a lot of people don't realize how dangerous certain animals that seem harmless are yeah to to things and um you know
2: i mean wild and- animals are wild animals we should all just leave That's them right. alone
1: yeah well i i had a video i think it was last night that um i saw of uh an alligator running like people don't realize alligators can beat a horse at a quarter mile
0: yeah like most
1: videos show them just kind of like walking along super slow as if they have nowhere to be so this video shows an alligator and it's one in captivity running after somebody that's in the the you know like a zookeeper. And it gets up and it's literally like a five second video. It's not very long, but it gets up and it's running at him. And I showed it to my boyfriend who was like, oh my God, what is that? I said, not kidding. This is why they say run, zigzag, run, because they they run this fast.
2: I I grew up in Miami and we used to take field trips to the Everglades. Uh, i sorry
1: for you. Was it a collateral damage that as long as 75% of you came back? Okay, it was fine.
2: Well- what was interesting? I I have a very clear memory in junior high school of being in the Everglades and seeing an alligator get up and walk slowly. But it's still huge. Like yeah. once they get up on all fours, it's like three feet up off the ground. This is just—it's a dinosaur just walking across the path. It's they're Those things are awesome. Again, from afar, you don't want to dance with no, them. But
1: no, I agree completely. They're, they're okay. not like—they're
2: not like the alligators in Fantasia dancing with the hippopotamuses.
1: That combo seems dangerous. Just like, let's not have them team up. I'm I'm good with them not teaming up for things.
2: Well, what about for uh, a beautiful ballet?
1: Yeah, no, hard pass on all of that. Don't try to get them in the tutus. They're not going to be on board. Okay, Val, what? you get the final question. Don't fuck it up.
0: Question? Oh, man. We talked about so many cool things. Um, when was a time that you got to be on a panel or sit next to or be at a convention next to... Like, what was an epic, like, you geeked out as a fan moment?
2: Oh, I've got one. Okay. So I love Jules Pfeiffer. Um, Jules Pfeiffer is, is a he's a, cart- a cartoonist, a playwright, a screenwriter, a, just an incredible creative force. Um, and I became a fan of Jules Pfeiffer in the late 90s and just started consuming everything I could of his. And sometime in the 2010s, he was doing a talk at Columbia University. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go see Jules Feiffer do this talk. And I'd read his autobiography. Or he, he, was, he was talking about his autobiography. I hadn't read it yet. So I go up to Columbia University. I'd never been in that area of, of the city before, and I was completely lost. I didn't know where this building was. I'm wandering this campus. And as I turn a corner, I see Jules Pfeiffer is talking, is looking at the map, and he's talking to a security guard trying to figure out where he's supposed to go. And I say, I think I'm going where you're going. And he says, where are you going? I'm going to see you. So he <laughs> and I walked together through the campus to get to the room where he was doing his talk. And that was the best. Because I got to just, it was one-on-one time, me and Jules Pfeiffer walking. I got to ask him every question I had about the books of his I'd read and, and loved. Um, and at one point I asked him, he had written a book called The Man in the Ceiling, uh, which is great. His two. Uh, middle grade novels, Man in the Ceiling and uh, Barrow of Lass, A Veil of Tears, are sort of the inspiration for my hybrid format. There's a lot of illustration, and the illustration feeds into the text. And in one of the books, a character leaves and literally is walking off the page. But anyway, um, I asked him about how he got these books published like in whatever year it was. Like, How do you get anybody to pay attention to this format you were doing? He says, well, my friend. My friend Maurice Sendak talked to his agent. And I go, well, that's cheating.
0: Like if if, if law- that's
2: your pal, if like, ah, oh, my friend Maurice Sendak. Okay, forget it. Like, I appreciate the answer, but this doesn't help me at all. I'm not friends with Maurice Sendak.
1: <laughs>
2: but that was that was that experience was was truly lovely. Um, and and he is somebody that is just so, such a, and he's still working. He's like 92, I think, at this point. He's still working. Amazing.
1: Well, I think that's good. I mean, I, the fact is, is as you get older, you can have, I want to retire, but you have to have something you're doing, because if you don't have something you're doing, you're going to die very quickly. Yeah. You well, just stop. I,
2: I met E.L. Konigsberg once. I went to a signing she was doing. Um, she wrote uh, mixed up files of Bazley Frankenweiler and a book called The View from Saturday, which I loved. And I got to ask, did I ask her or somebody? Either way, I got to meet her and she was very nice. And she said her favorite book was *The Secret Garden*, which I still have uh-huh. never read.
0: Good one! Oh, it's a good one. I, just, I. That's one of mine. Like I'm a I'm a big fan of the older literature and classics. So like *Alice in Wonderland*. I have *Winnie the Pooh* and *Wizard of Oz*. Peter uh,
2: Pan is great.
0: Peter Pan is so much darker than what people realize.
2: It's heavy. That book is heavy. Um,
0: but Secret Garden's the same way. It was is it? it? was, like Chronicles of Narnia was a favorite. And then I went to Secret Garden and then I learned that there was dark fan, like it has a dark fantasy vibe without a fant- total fantastic fantasy right. aspect. So it was strange experiencing Chronicles of Narnia and then going into Secret Garden because I was like, holy crap, like this is a story that could possibly happen in our world. And it is so dark and turning and and like it you you're not sure what is happening like you're just on a journey. As much I like it. I have to revisit Wonderland. that one. So you you definitely would probably appreciate it quite a
1: bit. Yeah. What's the rest of your story, Greg? That um Valerie so rudely interrupted. Oh, you no, there me. was that was it.
2: I just I met E.L. Konigsberg and she was very nice and recommended the secret garden. That was
1: okay. Well, I wasn't was- sure because Valerie tends to tell all of her own stories. Don't tell all the stories. I have so many stories. Show I know me you, me do. you do. We're, We're storytellers.
2: Do. It's what we do. Yes,
1: yes, it's very true. Don't feed that, Greg. Don't, Don't feed, feed that. <laughs> that. Okay, Greg, shameless self-promotion time, please.
2: Uh, find me on the internet. My name, Greg, G-R-E-G-G, last name shegel S-C-H-I-G-I-E-L. That name will take you to my website, which is myname.com. That's my name on Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram. I don't really use Facebook very much. Um, that's, a, that's a mess over there. Uh, and then on Amazon, if you search my name or just the word superhero, my superhero universe books will pop up and there's four so far and a coloring book. Uh, my Pix graphic novels are at the website I just mentioned, gregshegel.com. And I've got a YouTube channel where I do a bunch of drawing and talk about the drawing. And I have podcasts I've done. Uh, one called Stuff Said About Comics. And this, I haven't even mentioned this. This is exclusive to the literary briefs. Ooh. I do a podcast with another cartoonist, a guy named Chris Girusso, um, called cruising Together. And we have watched and discussed every movie Tom Cruise has ever acted in. And it is absurd.
1: I, I have no...
2: <laughs> it's, it's the silliest thing in the world. And we, uh, we've seen every movie. And it's very stupid
1: oh very cool i enjoy but that's the hilarity of these things i enjoy that thank you yes. so much for being on the podcast
2: thank you for having me this has been a delight
1: oh i'm glad to hear that oh well, guys you've been listening to drinking with authors literary briefs edition and my cough's going to come at the last moment i've been your host erica lance don't forget, you're listening right now. Like and subscribe because you're here. You're already doing it. You might be watching us. Absolutely hit the subscribe button. Plus, now's the time you've been drinking along with us. Leave us a comment. Leave us a review. We want to hear it. We want to hear how wonderful we all are. And that mainly Val needs it to boost her ego. Just kidding. Um, my amazing co-host, who's now drunk again, and I
0: love the color of her pink face. Hey, hey look, listen, I didn't eat <coughs> one snack this time around. I want that to go on record. <laughs> It's now on record
1: as so there is my host, Val Willis. (laughs) that literally can't even control herself at the last moment. Um, And we will see you guys next time. (laughs) Bye. Howdy. Howdy. Listen up. up. I am talking. talking. Now the question of the hour is who's got a Dr. Who Who podcast podcast. answer. Answer. We do next question. question. Who's listening to it? Answer. You are. are. If you're sitting up there in your silly little spaceship spaceship and you've got any plans to listen to to a Doctor Who podcast, podcast, just remember
0: who's standing in your way. And then, then do the smart thing, listen Listen to Earth Earth Station Who right here on the ESO 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 Network. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon, or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.